0: Hello there. Hi, how are you? <clears throat> yes, I'm all right, thank you. Oh, good. Where are you today?
1: So I, I'm sitting in Tekaweti today Te in the King Country. Ah.
0: Yes,
1: we, we own a newspaper over here, the King Country News.
0: Right. Yep,
1: so I'm spending the day with that team.
0: Meet Aaron Beust, Chief Executive of Beacon Media Group in Fakatani.
1: We have three newspapers, the Aportiki News, the Fakatani Beacon and the King Country News. We also have a little sheep fed commercial printing business in Fakatani, which is called Man Print and Design and we have a newspaper printing business which is called Beacon Print Limited and that's also in Fakatani, and that's an interesting one and I guess the one that perhaps primarily uh, might see me as a person worth talking to. Uh, Beacon Print has a newspaper press we actually recently reinvested in our press so we've put Uh, probably the most modern newspaper press in New Zealand, in Fakatani at the moment. And that produces between 40 and 50 different publications, mainly community newspapers circulated throughout the North Island, but also a few that actually go into the South Island as well.
0: So a big investment in its printing press, a sign the firm is confident of its future, But hang on, aren't newspapers a dying industry? Just listen to this. First off, local news in many places is on the critical list. The final print editions of four regional daily papers will roll off the press at this print site in Rockhampton tonight.
1: Across the country there are deserts of news. Local newspapers print fewer
0: pages less frequently and in some cases collapse entirely and to make matters
1: worse we're seeing price rises for vicinity of 20 to 30 percent already and then
0: there are price rises flagged for july 1 as well which we're unsure of it is potentially catastrophic for some mastheads and in new zealand it's not helped by this the closure of the kawarau pulp and paper mill is underway with the last paper machine due to be shut off for good
1: the decision follows a decline of the newsprint industry
0: I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail, they're battling with paper shortages and soaring costs and it's about to get tougher for New Zealand newspapers. Today I look at one local publisher's push to keep the giant inky monster going. I'm trying to get a picture of what it's like to bring in newsprint now, to Whakatane, compared with Mm -hmm. what it was like when the mill was at Kaurau, just up the road, so okay. it must have been so much easier. You put it on a truck, bring it down to Fakatani.
1: Yes, and, and I, I mean, we're quite uh, exceptional in the sense that we were literally only 30 kilometres away from the mill in Kawado, being based in Fakatani. But I think for the most part, what I share would be applicable to any publisher in New Zealand. Generally speaking, it was quite easy. You would uh, place an order uh, with Norska Skugg. It would get made in New Zealand at their Kawarau-based operation you would specify the week you'd like it to arrive and how much of that particular product you would like to arrive and it just showed up and it was really really reliable Uh, and it worked like that for decades in our case it would show up at the front door uh, we'd open the door we'd unload the truck and we had our paper it was about as easy as it could possibly be Mm. most businesses in New Zealand that were printing would have been running very low stocks, relatively speaking, um, because it was always just a, a known thing that the paper would show up. So if I use our business as an example, we would be holding around two to three weeks worth of newsprint in our site, just in case the mill might have had a little whoopsie or something uh, went went awry and maybe there could have been an issue in a given week. Compared to today, uh, the New Zealand-based mill is now closed. Our paper is coming from Tasmania in Australia. We still buy that newsprint from Norskoskoog uh, and have an ongoing relationship with Norskoskoog. Uh, we're now placing, instead of a you know calling a week or two before and, and telling what we want for a given week, we're now ordering typically four to six weeks in advance, so we're trying to predict what we think we'll use and how much stock we'll have we're then trying to sort of second-guess and anticipate what sort of issues that might be encountered with shipping, which has become a much more current affair looking back the last two years in terms of uh, problems with shipping reliability and cost. Uh, And then once that paper arrives, it's being, in our case, unloaded from the container and put onto a truck and then sent to us. Uh, for now, Norskis could continue to do that onshore activity in New Zealand. However, from July the 1st of this year, that will be my job. Uh, so as a printer, I'll be receiving the containers, getting them cleared off the wharf, getting them unloaded, getting them put onto a truck and delivered uh, to my site.
0: That, that sounds a lot more complicated.
1: A lot more complicated. I I would say, though, to be fair, more typical of how these types of arrangements with paper suppliers be. I think we've had it pretty good for a very long time and now things are changing quite dramatically in that respect. The other thing I would mention from an inventory perspective now, I've got a six-week lead time compared to one to two weeks. Plus, I'm trying to anticipate possible issues with shipping, which happen more often than not. And so now I'm typically holding between two and three months of stock. And if I can, in reality, I'll probably be looking to try and hold a little more. So obviously that's a huge imposition on the business from a cash perspective. You know, that's a lot of money tied up in stock sitting Mm. in our warehouses.
0: Have you ever got to the point where you've, you know, come very, very close to running out and and it's upset your schedule, your printing schedule?
1: To date for us, no. No. Uh, I know that one or two other printers have not run out per se, but gotten pretty close to the wire. In our case, though, we've had uh, a few customers come to us looking to uh, print with us. We can't necessarily say yes, because we have a good amount of stock for the customers we already have. And if we need to anticipate or you know put in place taking on a new customer, then we need to get the paper first and that can take up to two to three months. Best case scenario if it's newsprint, uh, we use a slightly higher grade of paper too, which tends to come from uh, the likes of Australia and China, and that can be three to four to five months, depending on the supplier we buy from.
0: Why is it changing in July? Why will you have to take the responsibility of getting the paper from the port?
1: As an industry, I should mention that... uh, Beacon Media Group uh, is a member of the News Publishers Association. Yeah. So that includes NZME, Staff Allied Press, uh, the Gisborne Herald ourselves, and one or two other independent publishers. And we got together and had a, uh, basically a collective approach to trying to, one, show a good amount of business that hopefully would be of ongoing interest to Norskyskog in terms of supplying. And then just trying to agree basically an arrangement that would enable us all to remain supplied with newsprint for a period with some certainty over pricing. And so we've been successful in doing that. That new agreement will become active from the 1st of July this year and that's good for another 12 months. To be fair, Norskisgug, you know, they now don't have an active operating entity in New Zealand and so that also I think represented a logical time to move to what would typically be a more traditional arrangement for supplying paper which is get it to the port then it's the customer's job to, to take it on and look after it from there.
0: I read a report in The uh, the Economist and a very good quote from a British newspaper boss talking about the state of the market because prices risen by over 50% in a matter of months. And he said it's like tasering an elderly person who's already on a pacemaker. You know, it's it seems so crippling. But from what you're saying, it's challenging, but you're very confident about the future of newspapers.
1: Uh, for newspapers to be successful, they have to be in print. I'm 100% confident about that. It remains the single best Experience when it comes to consuming news content because it's this active form of consumption, you know.
0: Mm. You
1: don't just automatically go to the top right-hand corner and click the X to close something. You have made a choice to pick up this tangible thing, to hold it in your hands and to consume it through your eyes and your mind. And that's the brilliant thing about newspapers and why newspapers work and why I'm 100% confident about the... Uh, the need for them to remain in print. As I've said to you, if I take our business, you know, greater than 90% of our revenue is derived from the printed product. And I suspect one or two of the bigger examples in New Zealand would probably be not quite as reliant. You know, it would be probably greater than 60 to 70% of their revenue still coming from that printed product. To be, to be honest, uh, Sharon, I am now feeling more concerned about our ability to continue to have products in print that will be affordable for publishers. And the reason I say that, one, we've had a very stable, settled period of pricing for a lot of years, uh, and we're now in a situation uh, supply has constrained around the world, uh, and that's been driven by these conversions and closures. Fox Valley Paper Mill is closing. Nina Inc. has announced it will close its Appleton plant by the end of September. A community that's picked up from Hurricane Michael, the pandemic and wildfires, now faces another challenge. The closing of the Panama City Paper Mill.
0: Uh, one of the principals of the company advising me of their decision to
1: close uh, capacity in Ontario and in Quebec as well, about 500,000 tons
0: of uh, newsprint capacity that they're closing. Very difficult day for certainly the community and the workers in that facility.
1: Conversions, to give you an example, a lot of suppliers now are choosing to spend two to $300 million US to convert their newsprint machines to now make packaging that's good for the likes of Amazon to, uh, to send things around the world wrapped in. And there's more money in it for them, and so they do that. But as they do, they take away supply. On top of that, you've got these energy issues going on in Europe and other parts of the world as well. And just generally, everything is getting more expensive. I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility that my current pricing, remember, I haven't quite started that new arrangement, could be close to double what I'm currently paying by, say, July, August next year. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. And that causes me to be more concerned than I might have been even a few months ago before it really just got as dramatic as it is right now.
0: Are you saying that when this new arrangement comes into place in July, where mm-hmm. you will be responsible for getting the newsprint from the port to um, the plant, your plant, Yes. you think the price is going to double in a year?
1: So what will happen in July is I will pay more than I'm currently paying that's July of this year, and I'm also going to be incurring costs that I've not previously incurred to get product from the wharf to my print site. Wow. So price goes up July 1 this year, and we are yet to agree what we would be paying and what supply we could reasonably expect beyond July next year. Now, as an industry, we're already looking at... Not so much alternatives, but other sources of supply to complement that which we're getting from Norskyskug. Um And we already know that those are already quite a bit more expensive than what we would likely be paying from July of this year. It just gets me, I guess, like I say, particularly concerned about, you know, the middle of next year and what we may potentially be looking at as we head into the second half of that year from a pricing perspective.
0: Can you give me any figures, or is it commercially sensitive?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I'd rather not. Mm. But as I say, I'm not meaning to to scaremonger or amp this up. I think it's entirely likely, based on what we're seeing right now, that we could be paying effectively twice what we are right now for paper direct.
0: Besides that, have prices been rising anyway over the last two years? Because of COVID? They
1: have, yes, they have generally speaking. I've been fortunate in that I've been in a contractual arrangement. Um, and so, whilst prices generally have been going up on just about everything, including Newsprint globally, um, I've had a, a relatively stable period.
0: Would other publishing firms in New Zealand be facing the same big cost rise?
1: Yes, I, I think this is a universal thing and probably the most. Obvious example of it, although it wasn't newsprint related, the, I think the fundamentals are the same. You might be aware that uh, Ovato in New Zealand recently announced the closure of all but their sheet-fed printing operations in New Zealand.
0: Citing paper shortages as the reason for the shock decision. Ovato saying it can no longer operate profitably, uh, given the state of uh, its paper. Some hundred staff have lost their jobs. Ruth Cobb, CEO of NZ, described the move as devastating and a sad day for the New Zealand print industry.
1: That happened about five or six weeks ago. Mm. And the number one item that was uh, cited was uh, a real challenge to secure ongoing supply of paper, number one, and at a price that was sustainable.
0: Uh, Ovato says it's been facing dramatic paper price increases allied with an inability to source paper over the short and medium term uh, due due to the global conditions which we're all aware of and which they say are particularly pronounced in New Zealand.
1: But I think it gives some sense of, uh, you know, the possible outcome, given what's going on here.
0: If that's the case, I mean, publishers, you, you'd be passing the cost on to the people that you print for. Yes. It must get to a point where they say it's just not viable anymore.
1: Yeah. I think what we're, what we're trying to do is be really proactive with our customers, Give them a good sense and a good, as long a runway as we can of what we think will likely happen and how that would impact in terms of our pricing to them. They probably do need to be looking at what they price, for example, for advertising, or in our case, our cover price as well, and ensuring that they're doing all they can to try and get ahead of what's coming. We print for a lot of free community newspapers, so literally no cover price. And unfortunately, the reality is there that some of those mastheads will likely be looking at their distribution and saying, well, do I need to print and distribute quite as many of these as I have been done? This is a real concern for me as you're now potentially depriving communities of what is, I think, quite a critical uh, window into what's going on in their community. And in a worst-case scenario where it just became not viable for them to operate anymore, you know, potentially the demise of, of papers. And I think that would likely be most evident uh, initially with the community papers, which tend to be free uh, and tend to be distributed in quite high volumes, you know, often to all households in certain communities. Mm. Our King Country News is an example of that. We, we print and distribute 10,000 copies of that each week and we put that into letter letterboxes uh, in hunger the King Country, uh, and pure pure urban areas, and we also distribute through the rural delivery network to farm gates, outer reaching households throughout the King country.
0: And so, will you be looking at whether you cut back on the printing? Of the um, it's paper? not
1: something we're actively considering at this stage, but it's you know it's something that we'll have to be mindful of as these prices start to bite, and depending on I guess what sort of response or, or reaction we might get as we. Increase, for example, our advertising rates uh, and those sorts of things. Mm. The intention is let's try and do what we can, um, be proactive, communicate with our community, communicate with our advertisers who support us uh, and see if we can't try and uh, navigate through this. If nothing else, just try and put off as long as possible having to contemplate that sort of decision around, you know, do we circulate less?
0: Aaron, was was it a mistake to let the Norska Skog Mill at Kaurau Close. I mean, I know it's a it was a private uh, company, but mm. sh- could something have been done to stop that closure so that you know New Zealand publishers had their own local newsprint supplier?
1: I had been out of the business for four years uh, when the mill closed. What I can say at the time is, you know, New Zealand in reality probably only consumes somewhere around twenty five to twenty six thousand tons of New Sprint and New Sprint-like products. Uh, that mill was a relatively small mill, and that small mill still produced 150 to 160,000 tonnes of newsprint. So it was always going to have to be an exporter. You could imagine what that would have been like in the last two years with the shipping-related constraints. You know, the New Zealand market, when I first started working for the paper company, it was Fletcher Challenge back then, New Zealand was consuming around 180 to 190,000 tonnes of new sprint per annum. That was back in 1999. So it just gives you some sense of what's happened. And we were an energy-intensive business, the second largest consumer of electricity at the time behind T.Y. Point. So there was a fundamental cost issue in that the mill just didn't have a sustainable price for energy that allowed it to be competitive. You know, I get asked all the time, could it be run again? I think... One, the the strategic issues around energy pricing haven't gone away, so, you know, too late. This, in a lot of respects, become a real, I think, fourth estate challenge potentially as well, you know. It's really important that key newspapers remain in print because that's what funds newsrooms. And uh, we need newsrooms to be out Um, you know, engaging, getting these journalists involved, getting them out, asking the key questions of decision-makers, letting people know what's going on in their communities, those sorts of things. And if print isn't there, I think certainly my newsroom won't exist.
0: And if that's not enough, there's a potential battle looming with the tech giants following Australia's lead.
1: The Australian situation is an interesting one whereby uh, a number of publishers uh, have agreed, basically terms that seize Uh, the likes of Google and Facebook who have been profiting off the use of editorial content produced by those newsrooms uh, and not paying for it. Mm. And so just this week, as part of the News um, Publishers Association has confirmed that they've appointed a couple of people who were very heavily involved in that activity in Australia who will be assisting with those discussions with Google and Facebook here. And I think those are really important. And the reason I reference those is because that's helped a number of publishers in Australia uh, remain in print when they have been faced with upwards of 60 to 80% increases in the cost of their newsprint from the local supplier in North Susqueak over there. You know, all of these things are connected. And so I think it's only fair uh, that those that provide the content are recognised in some way. We still accept, though, that we'll still have a battle on our hands in terms of the advertising dollar that they continue to attract. Um, but, you know, some form of fair and reasonable compensation for that activity, which is funded by the likes of my uh, group, uh, will go an awful long way to helping us continue to do what we do for our communities.
0: And, and, and how far down the track is that? I mean, when do you think New Zealand will be bringing in similar laws to or rules to Australia?
1: I'd, I'd love for you to ask that of uh, someone like Minister Farfoy or, 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 or one of his officials.
0: Well, we contacted Chris Farfoy's office and we've been told that the Ministry for Culture and Heritage is looking at how to support media companies here if they can't negotiate financial compensation themselves with those tech firms. Well, that's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansel and produced by Sarah Robson. And thanks to Aaron Beust, Kakite.